when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job, and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And So, yes, to answer your question. Our purpose is to win, make no mistake about it, but it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt, uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. We got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was like, <laughs> like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming, and we ain't backing down. It's time for Carolina football. So get the fuck out of your seats. Spurs up. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast presented by my bookie. I'm your host, Mike Bretton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, Shane, I think I may have been responsible for getting Lane, Kiffin, fined, but uh, before we go down that rabbit hole, I just want to say real quickly here, I really do appreciate all the, we're getting a ton of five-star written reviews flying in. Mm-hmm. If you missed it on the last show, I'm giving out a t-shirt. In addition, we're, we're still giving out the koozies to each and every one of those, but in addition to that, I'm going to select one random five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app to get a free t-shirt. At the end of the week, so uh, that's just our little way of saying thanks. We really do appreciate everybody throwing those in. But uh, hey, how about we got to we got to talk this Kiffin stuff, man? I mean, this Ooh, was burning yeah. up Twitter today on Monday, wasn't it? It was, man. It was uh, the big Kiffin, and I'm sure we're going to get into the the specifics and actually run the clips. But uh, this thing is uh, still going. Uh, we we just had a couple of cryptic tweets sent out by Kiffin here about eight <laughs> o'clock Eastern time, you know. So apparently he's paying the popper. You know, we'll talk more at Ole Miss football on the next show because we still got to wait for Coach Derek Mason to speak. He doesn't speak till Tuesday, so we'll kind of break that down on the next episode. But we are gonna let's play the clip, Shane, of what Lane Kiffin had to say on Monday specifically about uh, the end of the Auburn game and the explanation he got, and he was pretty heated on this one. Lane, is the muffed kickoff a play that you'll send to the SEC for review, and, and do you see value in that uh, procedure? Well, I was late to this um, <clears throat> because I was on the phone with John McDade in the SEC, and so um, I've really struggled with this um, a lot, and so – I just had the conversation with him. You know, he called to explain what happened. You know, I really wish for our players, for our fans, that they could hear what I was just told. Um, I think they deserve to, but, you know, I asked. They made sure to tell me there's a policy that I can't tell you, the players or the fans, um, you know, what their, if you want to call it explanation, 
for that situation and how the TV copy, everybody in the country can see it hit him. And I asked the side judge, <clears throat> you know, why aren't they replaying it? Do I need a challenge? And he said, he said, they've already looked at it. There's nothing there. So I'm not allowed to say anything about the conversation, but I really wish that our fans and players could hear what I was told. Uh, you've talked about this I've game. Ha I've had to take a, about a five-minute, uh, like, power yoga class before I walked in here and said what I really want to. Because you know what I'd really like? I'd really like when you guys ask me questions about managing a game or how I play players, just say, well, that's a personal thing, and um, I can't discuss it with you. I, I would really like to be able to answer those questions like that. All right, Shade, so there you have it from Kiffin. I mean, my God. This was <laughs> kind of what I was hoping for on Saturday, but I guess, you know, he needed to see further – Evidence of it, he needed to speak to the SEC, and he mm -hmm. was clearly not happy. I think he expressed himself in the way that uh, every Ole Miss fan probably was all weekend long. And uh, I don't know, thoughts on how open and transparent Kiffin was, or at least to the point he was allowed to be. Great for fans, Mike. Uh, I'm not going to lie. This is something you want to hear from your coach, transparency. And you you want to hear the full details of what, what's going on behind the curtain. But administration, you know, is a, a different animal. And uh, they that, that's the spotlight. That's a risk they were willing to take when they signed Lane Kiffin. Uh, it, you know, he's he is a – he's a little bit of a rule breaker. So this shouldn't come as a shock if, if you're admin over there, but you know, it just goes to show that SEC is human. Officiating is human. You know, we make mistakes. And, and I always grew when I grow up, you know, if I made a mistake, I, there was accountability. I had to, you know, I had to fess up to it or re get really good at blaming my brother. <laughs> which, <laughs> That's which what I, was, I remember. <laughs> yeah, which I did get good at that, Mike. But, you know, somebody took the fall. And uh, it, it, just because this is going behind closed doors, it, it kind of sucks that they couldn't come out and make some sort of statement uh, because this is two, you know, pivotal uh, decisions that we've seen uh, the last couple of weeks. You know, there's no accountability. There's nobody coming forward to say, hey, we made a mistake. This is what we're going to do to correct it or anything like that. So if a coach. Hold on, Shay, uh, because right before we jumped on the pod here, the SEC has released a statement. Uh oh. And I don't think this was going to come out unless Coach Kiffin sent. He sent out a damn tweet storm here on Monday. He actually retweeted me a couple times, videos and comments and stuff I put out. But the SEC has fined Lane Kiffin $25,000, mm. and they released a statement. On the kickoff return in the Auburn-Ole Miss football game, the SEC has determined the replay official should have stopped the game for further review of the play. In the football officiating replay process, every play is reviewed, but when appropriate, the game is stopped for further review. Because the play was not appropriately stopped for further review, the necessary slow-motion view of the play was not viewed by the replay official to determine if the ruling on the field should have been reversed. So that's kind of what I figured was happening. It, it, and you kind of alluded to this on you know our last show. You see that play at the naked eye. You could kind of understand why Auburn yeah. uh, got away with one here. But when they slow it down, when you see the zoom in, clear as day, he touched it. So uh, that's no excuse, but at least... The SEC has kind of come out and shared that information. It's not going to make Ole Miss feel any better. And, and now Coach Giffen 
His uh, Knox's college fund is out the window. <laughs> 25 G's right out the window, Mike. Could you imagine losing 25 grand a day? Off man, a tweet. My, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a Camaro, man. You know? <laughs> no, I just, I, I think, I still think it's kind of dumb, you know, because this wasn't a play that was a bam, bam play. This was a kickoff. And then there was time to get out there and start the drive. So if these guys are like legitimately watching every play, yeah, we didn't catch it, but but we did catch it before that ball snapped. You would think that guys that that's their sole purpose is to to keep an eye on the game and the officiating. It's just it seems like they would say, "Hey, man, let's let's just let's let's take a breather here. Let's let's see what's going on. Let's see a replay." That was awfully damn close. It's just mm-hmm. and, and it it cost a team a, a, a win. And uh, so, you all right? Yes, yeah, sir. Okay. Breaking in the new chair. <laughs> yeah, they, shots are getting fired there. Uh, just kidding, SEC, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, man. You were spot on. Good call. All right, move on. Lane should get fined. <laughs> oh, man. Almost hit the floor on that one. All right, buddy. So, hey, we got a couple games to review. You know, it is what it is for Ole Miss, unfortunate. Yep. And like I said, we'll discuss the, their game against Vanderbilt on the next show. But uh, you ready to go around the league? Yeah, buddy. It's snapping clear. We're on to next week, Mike. Let's do it. Now let's go around the league. My my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Right, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, so two teams that were on a bye last week. Let's uh, start here in Fayetteville. Woo pig! Where Arkansas and Texas A&M. You know, this has been a one-sided series. Arkansas obviously has never beaten Texas A&M since uh, the Aggies joined the SEC. That's a streak. A lot, lots of streaks being broken by Sam Pittman. Mm-hmm. And the fans would love nothing more than this to be the next one. And, of course, this game, you know, nor- normally played in that Jerry World in Arlington, Dallas. Not going to be played there due to COVID and all that, so it's going to be played in College Station. Be kind of interesting to see if that affects the game at all. I mean, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe old Jerry World is just a cursed place for the Razorbacks. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, you know, I think despite the spread, I think it's uh, when it debuted. I think it was like 15 points or whatever. I think it's going to be a pretty close game, Shane, and it has been historically and. Obviously, the Razorbacks are red hot. Texas A&M's hot, too, so I'm not trying to discredit them. But you look on paper, Texas A&M, a top-10 team, Arkansas not ranked. You'd think this would be kind of one-sided. I don't think it's going to be that type of game. What do you think? Oh, Mike, I'm so sorry. Uh, let me. I don't know if you want to share this, but I, I Lane just put out a tweet, a retweet, and I was listening to you, too, but it says, Lane Kiffin, replay blew it. SEC replay blew it. Also SEC. 
here's a $25,000 fine lane for correctly pointing out we blew it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He is just getting started, brother. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I think this back to Arkansas and uh, Texas a This, you know, this has always been a fun game, tricky game. And, and there's a lot of times it, it comes down to the damn last second. And I, I don't. I'm not thinking that this game's going to be any different, Mike. I think that this is going to be a, just a bloodbath of two teams going at it. So I'm really looking for this. This may be the, 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 the closest game Saturday, if you ask me. Yeah, I'm thinking it might be right there. You know, LSU-Auburn, that's a game. Another one we'll discuss on the next episode. Still waiting for Gus to meet with the media this week. But those are the two games I'm looking forward to the most on the slate this week. And Sam Pittman kind of nails it down. Let's kick it over to him where he's pretty impressed by the Aggies on their, their physicality and, you know, their linemen on Rakeem Boyd, who's, you know, he's really struggled to get it going here. I think he's been banged up. So that's certainly a part of it, but if they can get him going, Razorbacks, you know, already a hot team, they're going to be just so much more so if they can get Boyd going. And then on, uh, <laughs> I think the capacity is down there is like 30 per. 25%, what have you, at Texas A&M. But uh, uh-huh. Pittman says, well, hey, we're looking forward to 50,000 50, out there. <laughs> and then uh, bad news, I, I didn't see this one coming. One of their starting defensive backs, Jerry Jacobs, has opted out. So uh, let's kick it over to Pittman. What kind of characteristics do you see out of Texas A&M? They're a physical football team on both sides of the ball. They're an SEC football team on the offensive and defensive lines. Uh, very big. Very powerful, fast, uh, have a lot of returning starters on the offensive side of the ball on the O-line. And uh, they've got a great back in Spiller, who is also a very physical guy. They just, when you look at them and watch them play, you see a, a big, physical, SEC-type football team. Hey, Coach. Uh, Kellen Mond hasn't been um, sacked very many times this season. What do you see from the, the Aggie offensive line, or is it more of uh, Kellen Mond making sure he's staying clean himself? I think it's a little bit of both, Nikki. Um, he has a really good offensive line in front of him, the best one I've seen in a while at A&M. Uh, so they're protecting him well. But he's still Kellen Mond. You know, he can get out of problems. Uh, and he's staying in the pocket uh, – better than I've ever seen him and he's making plays and I think he's playing really well. He's comfortable back there. I think he's getting rid of the ball faster than maybe he has in the past. I just think he's a lot better quarterback than he's ever been just obviously with, with reps and years, but also give that offensive line a lot of credit. So a little bit of both, but a lot more this year of throwing the ball a little faster. Sam, just kind of defensively, what kind of problems does A&M present? They're big. They're, you know, their front guys are quick. Uh, they're, they'll, they'll, they plug a lot of linebackers. Uh, they're not going to sit there and be stagnant. Uh, they think you're a big zone team, they're going to twist on you. If they think you're a gap scheme, uh, then they're going to slant an angle. Uh, it just depends on – uh, what their game plan coming is, but they're very, very physical, very big, and very aggressive at safeties. I mean, very aggressive. Their safeties are almost like outside, inside linebackers coming down to the ball. So um, they've got them playing really well. Uh, 
and playing with a lot of confidence. You can just feel it watching tape on them. And, and uh, they've really been doing a good job. But they're a big and physical team that can run. How much are these two weeks going to make for uh, Rakeem Boyd as far as getting his game back? Well, for Rakeem, I, I expect him to be uh, full full go, and uh, uh, he'll be ready to play, I believe, against A&M. And... Hey, Coach, at this point in the season, what's the one thing or the couple areas that you really want to see improve moving forward? Well, in special teams, I want to get a big play for us in special teams. And I want to make sure that the block punts and things of that nature and kicking the ball out of bounds on the kickoff is a thing of the past. Those things have to happen. But on a positive note, we, we need to break up. We need to get some yards in the punt return game. We need to get some yards in the kickoff game when, when allowed. You know, a lot of times kickers are kicking it out. But that's, that's one of them there. I think we just hit on another spot is we have to be a better rushing football team. Uh, and uh, on defense, you know, when people get big on us, we have to we have to be able to stop the run whenever whenever we want to. And and uh, those are the probably the three aspects. I know you asked for two, but that's a, probably the three things that we're really concentrating on. Last we saw Texas A&M, there was a huge crowd at Kyle Field for that Florida game. Um, I'm wondering, what are you expecting going in there? Are you guys going to work inside some this week and crank up the volume? We expect at least 50,000 people probably. And uh, we are cranking up the volume and we are going inside today. As far as past that, I don't know, but we can still crank up the volume outside as well. But we're going to go inside today and crank it up. Sam, you mentioned last week being able to kind of move the guys around in the secondary to get your best five out there. Is is Jerry Jacobs, if if you got Monteric Brown healthy and obviously Hudson Clark, is Jerry Jacobs a guy that is versatile enough to play, you know, different spots in the secondary? Well, he certainly would be. He's Jerry J Jacobs has opted out, so he's no longer on the football team. All right, Shane. So I don't know if uh Coach was supposed to be saying this, but uh, pretty interesting that hell he threw it out here. We, you know, we're expecting damn half the stadium to be full because that's at times that's what it looked like against the Florida Gators. And immediately after that game, we all we all know what Dan Mullen said. But uh, going beyond his comments, I think he could certainly say the home field advantage appeared to play a factor in that game. So that's something to watch in this one. It if uh, if it plays a factor in this Arkansas game, you know what? Oh, definitely, man. I, I, I was joking the other day, you remember? At, at the home of the 12th man, where every 12th man gets in free. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Texas they, they, I don't know who's who's running all the gates there, but kudos to you. Everybody getting to watch a little football. So um, I love it. I mean, that's, that's what this is about. I'm, I'm glad at least fans are in there. Uh, I'm watching, I still watch some of these NFL games with the pumped-in crowd noise it drives me absolutely you know somebody score a touchdown and it's like the crowd noise doesn't change You're like ah oh, you know this sucks but 
it, it does down there at Texas A&M. When good things happen, those kids, those kids get fired up. And uh, when bad things are happening, I think that was a, a key contributing factor against that Florida Gator game, something you mentioned. And say what you want, though. Like, the, I, I always love this game because if you look, I think the last six times that they've met, this thing's come down to one possession. One score. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm not expecting anything different here with uh, with the Aggies and, and Razorbacks. Now let me ask you this, Shane. So a part of this Pittman presser I didn't include. It, it wasn't a great response or anything, but he was just asked, you know, if this game means a little bit more to him and, and given the streak and everything. And he said, No. I mean, I'm going out here trying to win all these games. And if you're telling me, does this mean more than beating Ole Miss? No. Mm-hmm. And there's so much with Sam Pittman. Remember going into the year, we're getting questions. You know, how are you going to end this streak that he's not even involved in? And then he does win a game. And then the next question was, hey, when are you going to end the streak losing at home? <laughs> and You know what I mean? It's like so much about focused on what's in the past, which had nothing to do with him and yeah. a lot of these players. And I don't think he goes into this game thinking, well, my God, we can't beat the Aggies. It's never been done. And how much of the buy-in, how much of the players, you know, because Vast, like Felipe Franks has never been part of this. A lot of these really good uh, Razorbacks have only been, you know, they're sophomores, so they've only played one time against A&M or possibly twice. And like you said, those games are close. So how much do you think the players are, are kind of taking the attitude of the coach in this one and they're just going into this game uh, without, you know, the negativity of – we know what it's like, Tennessee, Florida, and, and, and games like that. I mm-hmm. don't think Arkansas is going into this game thinking they don't they can't win. No, and, and I I think, like you said, the players are taking on the identity of Coach Pittman here, and it's it's a it's a new season, it's a new ball club. But the, the baggage that this program has had coming into this season, you can't totally ignore it because it's still there, but. Sam's on a on a new trajectory. He's focused. His team's focused on on the task at hand. But it's hard for fans. It's hard for media because somebody that is a, a Razorback fan knows the streak. They know how tough this game is. Like I said, the the baggage is there. The streaks are there. It it's noticed by the media. It's noticed by the fans. But I don't think the players on this team are thinking about it there. I don't think they're thinking about, Hey, you know, there's, there's a, what, how, how many game losing streak here? You know, eight games, I believe. I mean, hell just point around the sec, Mike. I mean, if there's a, if there's a year that streaks are going to get broken, you would think it'd be this year. You look at Tennessee, 1984, uh, against Kentucky streak broke last week, Kentucky and Mizzou, you know, streak broke. So I think you can look around to what's happened through five games and say, you know what, this is our year. This is our year to get this right and, you know, maybe use it as power uh, going against the, the Texas A&M here. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let, uh, let's skip down to the other side. Of that. Let's go on down to uh, College Station where, Gigamagus. you know, for every nice thing we have to say about Arkansas, we got to acknowledge the Aggies, man. They're red hot. Yeah. The offensive line's coming together, the running game. This running game they touted as, you know, a two-headed monster has come to fruition. And Kellen Mond just played – one of the best games he's ever played two two games ago against Florida, and uh, he was efficient against Mississippi State, which a lot of people don't recognize, at least yet, how good Mississippi State's defense has been. So, you know, he's he's put together a couple of good games, and if he can continue to do that, if they can take care of business, 
Texas A&M should win this game. I'm not saying it's going to play out quite that way, but uh, I mean they've got a lot going for them here. But uh, what's on the line here? Do you think for the Aggies, almost like these South Carolina fans that are so mad at Muschamp right now for mm-hmm. not being able to get that third win in the row and not getting that momentum? I think you could kind of say the similar thing for Texas A&M, where you know you had two weeks to prepare, you're coming in on two game winning streak. I think your fans, I don't know if you want to call it an automatic W, but, you know, they expect to win this game. They're they're trying to beat Alabama and LSU every year. They damn well better believe they think the Arkansas should be a gimme, you know. So, yeah. a lot of, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but, you know, there's an opportunity here for Texas A&M to lose all this momentum if they lose to a mm-hmm. team like this. So, uh, what's the pressure level, do you think, on the Aggies going into this one? Uh, I think it's I think it's extremely high, Mike. And, and the reason I say that is, you've got a Texas A&M team that dropped the game to Alabama. Okay, now you look at their schedule uh, past Arkansas. We've got South Carolina, Tennessee, Ole Miss, LSU, Auburn. Very winnable schedule. You know, LSU mm-hmm. looking a little tougher than than we expected, but honestly, they I could see Texas A&M making a run here. The real problem, if you ask me, Mike, is these Yankees that pulled up last week and started playing football. <laughs> you know, I, I, I honestly, it, it hurts teams like Texas A&M because when it, we get to the end of this thing, they're not going to be in an SEC championship. So is a one-loss A&M going to make the college football playoffs? I mean, that's a real question that can be asked. And when you have a team like Arkansas – which is playing tough. They're playing everybody tough. But you look around the country, not a lot of people know what Arkansas has been through. They don't know. They just they look at that baggage we were just talking about. So if this is a close game and we get to the end of the season, they're going to start looking at that resume and they're going to say, well, you know, Arkansas gave them a fit. Mm-hmm. How, how can we put these guys in the college football playoffs? So I think it's I think there there's a lot of pressure. And I think A&M – needs to have a statement game here, you know, that because nobody's talking about them. Everybody's talking about Alabama. Everybody's talking about Ohio State. Everybody's talking about Clemson. Ain't nobody talking about Texas A&M. But you come out and you you put some damn points on a team that, that people have struggled against this season, yeah, uh, then people are starting to talk about them Aggies again. So that's what they need. They need a signature win, Mike, and it starts here with Arkansas. All right, well, let's uh, kick it over to Jimbo. Talked about uh, Arkansas's improvements on the field on this series being so close, uh, on Sam Pittman being a great fit for the Arkansas program. And then uh, last but not least, the strides the offensive line has made. Everybody knows we're a big Lyman podcast. (laughs) Hey, Jimbo, when you study Arkansas under the new regime, what areas do they appear to be the most improved on tape? I think they compete extremely hard. I think they play well together as a team, offense, defense. They complement each other, special teams. They're creating a lot of turnovers on defense. I believe they've created 13, if I'm not mistaken, uh, taking advantage of those, uh, advantages in some special team areas, and have been very opportunistic as a football team and play extremely hard, physical, very well coached, and uh, play very and play together extremely well. Jimbo, you've talked about you know, how Arkansas is just an improved team. They're playing better together this year. Um, if you look at one aspect that would be, I guess, scares you the most or, or that you know is going to be key in order to get this victory, what would that be? Well, I, I think that 
they're playing very hard. I mean, they're, they're, they're diversity on defense. They play different fronts, different coverages. Linebackers are very active, very natural football players. Uh, I mean, Morgan and those guys have been players of the week. They play the ball well on defense, uh, create pressures offensively, uh, very athletic, uh, different guys across the board, all their receivers. I mean, Burks is a big guy and plays in the slot and out there. Woods, I mean, is a good player. The running backs are very good. Uh, Felipe Franks is a big, strong, athletic guy who can get the ball so vertical. I mean, he, he has a can. I know, I know Felipe in high school. He, was, he grew up right there below Florida State in Tallahassee in, in, at Wakala High School. Strong, athletic, getting him on the ground, makes a lot of plays. I mean, it's just overall and, and their belief that they're playing well. I mean, you know, you have, to, you have to go beat this team. This team is not going to give you anything, and you've got to go play well and, and, and get better. Yeah, Jimbo, it seems like in this past decade or so, no matter what records each team comes in with, <laughs> this game has always been a close one. Uh, in your previous stops, have you had, uh, say, a rivalry that was like this where it always seemed like the game came to a touchdown or less? I always did. I mean, it, you always have one. Because when you get in leagues with people like A&M and Arkansas was in a league together, you know, sometimes you like, all right, I got to play these guys every year, so I got to figure out how to play them. So – the fear of playing or the, or the stigma of playing, if you only play them every so often, goes away. And you, you get used to playing somebody, like somebody at the park, and, you know, you got there at the park and that guy beats your brains in every day and he's, he's kicking your tail and, you know, something. I'm going to come here and play and I want to keep playing. i got to figure out how to beat him. So you learn how to compete against him. You learn the guy. You learn what he does, all those types of things. And I think that's what happens here. I mean, Arkansas and A&M have played for so many years. They know each other so well, and, and it means a lot to the alums and everybody else that uh, – you know, it, it just it becomes that game. And I've been – almost every league I've ever been in, I've had those. I mean, you know, NC State and Florida State was always like that. No matter what, even, I mean, it was always a battle. I remember when I was at LSU, Kentucky. We beat Kentucky one year, two years in a row on the last play. One year we won the SEC in that year. I mean, you know, it was just – I just off the top of my head. I mean, just there, there's been in every one I've ever been in. I mean, it's just the way it is. Jimbo, if I could go back to Coach Pittman a little bit. Do you subscribe sometimes to the theory – that a coach is right for a particular school where he may not have had success at another school. He happens to step into a situation for whatever reason it fits him. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt of that. I think personalities of coaches to schools, to conceptually what they believe, how they believe it, and, and what's needed at the present time, I, I do think, think there's uh, fits as you say, to different jobs that, that, that work out very well. Not that other guys can't adjust and, and schools can't adjust, but I do think uh, it does. And it seemed, it, it went, this one seems to be working pretty well for Sam. Yeah, Jimbo, I was just curious what goes into, I guess, a offensive line coming together. I know you have a lot of veteran guys, but what goes into that? And as the offensive line kind of – can that be part of a team's identity, I guess? With the oh, way that huge part. I mean, all the great teams I've ever been a part of, man, that offensive line, and it's a unit that's bonded so well together and so tight in defensive line. You know, those front guys, man, they go through a lot. And your offensive line, when you have a really good football team, if you go back and research, man, there's, there's skill guys all over the board, but them skill guys can function for a reason. There's big guys up front that are doing their job. And, uh, you know, time, I'm going to be one thing, time is a big thing that brings line together. you got all those guys, all those calls, all the multiplicity of things that happen, time, maturity. All that matters, and, uh, you know, and then I think leadership. I think guys up front 
who buy into everything that you got to do and the selflessness and the toughness that's got to be done there and the precision in which a lineman's got to play with, man. I mean, you can be tough in battle, guys, but it's also a technique thing. It's angles. It's hat placement. It's hand placement. It's I mean, there's so the multitude of things. In all positions, it's like that, man, offensive line's hard, especially when you got to get all five guys on the same page. So, I mean, there's a multitude of things. But if I said two things, I'd say time, which is maturity, and leadership up front, you know, and then the toughness part of things. All right, Shade. So, it, it is interesting – you know, you made a really good point there, something I never even thought of. But here we got Texas A&M now kind of needing to make kind of like style points here, I guess if you want to call it that. And yeah, they probably need Florida to go on a run too because that just makes their resume look that much better. But, yeah, so that's another position where, you know, the Aggies are just trying to climb the SEC ladder and say they're one of the best in the SEC. That's mm-hmm. obviously a huge challenge, but trying to blow out teams or, or get impressive wins is a, is a whole nother deal. So yeah, there's a lot of pressure, a lot of things, this roster, this coaching staff at this school have not been through before. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see how it all plays out. And I think uh, Jimbo Fisher is not overlooking Arkansas. Like a lot of people might be. And uh, I mean, we've already said it, but this, this should be one of the best games in the weekend here. Oh yeah, man. This is this is gonna be a it's gonna be a good game. And 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 if Texas AM thinks they're just gonna steamroll Arkansas, that's I mean, that's that's a tall glass of water, Mike, because nobody's been able to do it. Hell Georgia struggled there to the very end. So I, I think you you've got to come in prepared. And I think it does help that Texas AM had a bye week because what we've seen this year, you know, teams coming off that bye week, it uh, seems like they're a couple steps further along than the other teams. So uh, maybe that adjustment period is exactly what the Aggies needed. Hey, Shay, well, before we move on, let's uh, remind the listeners we're brought to you by MyBookie, the online sports book. Head on over to MyBookie.ag today. All new customers receive a 100% deposit match up to $1,000. That means if you're a new customer to MyBookie.ag and you put in the promo code THATSEC, that's T-H-A-T, SEC, they will match your initial deposit up to $1,000. So you could potentially start with $2,000 to gamble on, Shane, immediately. And we got this college football firing up. We're going to get into some some picks here. But, man, I'm just fired up that college football is finally here. And the only thing that makes football better, in my opinion, is drinking some beer and betting all these games. So (laughs) head on over to mybookie.ag. Once again, that promo code is that SEC. Over at mybookie.ag, thousands of cross sports, wagers, props, parlays, all that. Winning season begins today only at mybookie with that promo code, that SEC. Well, speaking of a bye week, let's uh, jump on down to Athens. Kirby Smart met with the media here on Monday, and the Bulldogs are coming off a bye. You know, it was an unexpected bye. They had to reshuffle the schedule around, and now they're playing Kentucky, who's Obviously, in a you know just a precarious spot here, coming off that tough loss to Missouri, but uh, Georgia, we'll see if they come come out strong. Like you said, uh, I don't think we've seen enough of the teams in the SEC coming off to buy off a of bye week to to fully judge them. But so far, you're right, and that's something that I'm going to have my on my eye on this weekend to see how these other teams do. But uh, Georgia still. I don't want to say struggling to find an identity on offense, but that is certainly something that uh, remains to be seen, I think, with Stetson Bennett and 
where all that is, and it certainly sounds like they're sticking with Stetson. And I don't know. So how big is this game for Georgia, do you think? Coming off that, you know, they've had a couple weeks to sit around and think about this loss to Alabama, and now they're going to get – this could be a trap game. I mean, this is a noon game. This is a Kentucky team everybody's mm-hmm. going to be looking over. We know they have talent. Kentucky certainly has issues, though, but this is one where if you play, you know, your C game here, you could get beat, don't you think? Yeah. You you know, Kentucky was in a really ugly game last week, but you remember last year when these two met? You talk about ugly. Golly. No, no, it was, I think it you couldn't see to, to the end zone because it was raining so hard, you know, and, and nobody could throw a football. It was just – it was an ugly, sloppy game. So, yeah. The thing that's different, though, is is Georgia still controls their destiny, man. They're, they're in the captain's seat. All they got to do is win out. They're going. And, uh, you know, even if it's ugly wins, it's ugly wins. But I think Georgia – I think they got exposed with Alabama, and, and this should be – that should have that should have triggered something in Kirby Smart's mind to say, "Hey, man, we gotta we gotta be prepared." And uh, I'm not calling Kentucky a tune-up game by no means, but we we gotta go out here and, and we gotta put some numbers up. We gotta we gotta stretch this offense. We've got a good defense to fall back on in case we make a mistake, in case we force something. But if you can't get that offense rolling, it's gonna be tough to win the SEC this year. And that I mean. That was exposed, like I said, when Alabama was down mm-hmm. there. Well, let's kick it over to Kirby, talking about uh, what Georgia's brand is and their offensive identity. Gives an update on the quarterback position. And then he got a really great question. Someone listened to Nick Saban presser, and they kind of debate you know, how valuable these elite defenses are in college football. It certainly seems like it's an offensive game now, and a big reason why I like the Gators in the preseason, just because I knew how good their their offense would be. Kirby, I wonder if you could elaborate on a comment you made on the SEC call Wednesday about the offense. You'd said that we, we can't get in a boat race where we're trying to outscore people. we got to play our brand of football, help Stetson uh, with the people around him. What, what do you consider your brand of football now? Well, it's what the defense gives you. You know, if they're playing man-to-man, and then we got to be able to take shots and make plays. If they're uh, – playing off coverage and they're giving us RPOs, got to be able to take it. They're taking chances on the run and we got to play action them to get on top. Uh, you got to be able to do it. I mean, it never changes. I think you guys want a, a perfect answer. It's really a lot more about what are you good at and what can we do better than they do. Um, balance is always important, but balance is not 50-50. And when you look across the league, the teams that are able to run the ball and play action pass and do those things are the ones that are most successful, regardless of, you know, the total number of points and the total number of yards and all the different statistics. It's don't turn it over. you got to have an ability to run the ball, and you really need an ability to run the ball when you've got a quarterback that you're still developing and still young and doesn't have the experience of a guy that maybe has. you got to be able to run the ball, and you got to be able to help them in regards to doing that. Kirby, I, I had the same question as Mark on, on the brand comment. As far as playing to an identity, finding an identity on offense, has that been a little bit tougher with everything that's happened, whether it's no spring practice, Newman opting out, you know, all the new starters on offense? Is it still a little bit of kind of adjustment period? I think it's a little bit based on the defenses you play. You know, I, I don't think that you solely control – 
uh, what your identity is, just yourself. Some of that is created through uh, playing in games, uh, who's healthy, uh, what you're capable of, uh, what 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 they play against you. You know, I mean, uh, how defenses play us sometimes determine uh, how where we run the ball, which run plays we run, uh, how much we run. Uh, a lot of that's dictated by that, and uh, I think uh, the identity that you want to have is you want to be balanced. You want to be able to throw the ball when you want to throw the ball and run the ball when you want to run the ball. And uh, those things are important to being successful, just like on defense, being able to dictate to them what you do. Uh, it's not real complicated, um, but sometimes it's hard to do uh, because the other team makes it complicated. Hey, Kirby, with the with the bye week, you said that, you know, all your quarterbacks, um, you know, got, got reps. Uh, you know, given how the Bama game looked, is, is Stetson still your guy? Are you still evaluating other guys? Kind of how, how are you in that? Yeah, we're, we're always evaluating guys. It doesn't change. Y'all can keep asking the questions, but we're always evaluating guys at quarterback, and they're always trying to get better, growing their game. Um, Stetson's still repping with the ones, taking reps. We got other guys' reps, and that was what you do in an offer. You try to grow your team and get them better. <clears throat> but at the same time, we're trying to create continuity trying to get better as a team and a unit. Um, and, you know, you don't base your season on one game. You base your season on what gives you the best chance to get better. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to look at it as, like, what do we have to do to get our team from point A to point B? And that's growth. That's competition. And every position has that. It doesn't change at quarterback. It's, uh, it's what you need to get better. And it's what we're going to continue to do this week. Uh, Kirby, I, I know you – your favorite questions always involve Nick Saban, but I, I apologize. I'm going to ask one anyway. He, Coach Saban said last week that he now has come to believe that great defenses will no longer stop great offenses, and he referenced your your game with Alabama as a as an example of that. Do you feel the the paradigm has shifted that much? And you do you feel that? the team with the better offense is now going to be the team that wins championships? Well, I think if you look at recent history, uh, elite offenses have certainly uh, done well in the playoffs um, and really won most of the championships. If you look across the board at the, the, the biggest offensive numbers and kind of the output of those offensive numbers, whether it be Clemson, whether it be Alabama, or whether it be um, LSU, I would argue that each one of those teams – had pretty good defenses. Um, so it's not a, a, a clear-cut question. It's not a clear-cut answer. It's not easy to say this or that. There's a lot of factors that go into it. But scoring offense and being able to score points uh, is a tremendous factor. And a lot of the offenses have been ahead of the, the really good offenses have been ahead of the really good defenses. I don't disagree with that. But I think if you look across the board, there are some teams out there that have really dynamic offenses that don't have defenses, and they struggle. They struggle when they go play really good teams anyway. Um, so you look, you're really looking for to have both. But I, I do respect that Clemson's won championships with good defenses, and Alabama, even when they won theirs, they beat us. They, they had a dynamic offense, but they had good defense. And then when you go to uh, uh, LSU last year, you know, nobody even talks about their defense, but they obviously had good defense too because they got players playing all over the NFL. All right, Shane. So uh, some interesting stuff there from Kirby, but now you got me thinking of style points here. And I know Georgia, they <laughs> obviously still control their destiny in the East, so they could potentially face Alabama or Texas A&M or 
LSU, whoever it is in the West, they've certainly got a path to the college football playoff left in front of them. But this is another team where, you know, these style points could play a factor because I don't know what if uh, they're certainly going to be in the playoff race, I would think. And, and you can't, this is another one where kind of like Texas A&M Arkansas, Georgia can't, can't lay an egg, even if it's a, a win, but it's an ugly win against Kentucky. It's going to be held against them too, mm-hmm. don't you think? Yeah, it's it's about selling tickets too, Mike. I mean, when this when this committee gets together and they're they're picking the four best teams in the you know in the country, they're going to look at style. I, I know they're going to try not to, but if you're if you're constantly watching replays of uh, you know Georgia's newfound offense, you know, going up and putting 50 points on the, you, you know, you're more inclined to put them in the college football playoffs. Same thing with uh, Texas A&M. If, if, if they just catch fire and, and not just beat teams, but destroy teams along the way, it's hard not to, it's hard to keep them out. So, and you, and I thought that was an excellent question uh, asked to Kirby. And, and I, I agree defense is important, but, you know, when the king, when the you know, when when the king of football tells you that, <laughs> hey, it's it's about offense now, and he goes out and gets the best freaking receivers in the world, and he's putting them on display every single week. You got to say, you know what? Maybe he's right. Maybe he's right. Maybe defense is important, but offense is more important. And you look at the last national champs. I mean, let me LSU, Clemson. Uh, 17 Alabama, 2016 Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. That's since the college football playoff. I don't, I don't think about any of those teams and say, you remember how great that defense was? <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? You, you think about the quarterbacks. You think about those receivers that are now playing on Sunday. It's just that's that's what it's turned into. And and uh, I I think I think he was right. I, I think Kirby's, and I hope this, like I said, was an eye opener last week. Uh, during this bye week, he could pull that film study and say, "Hey, man, we, you know, it, we we do got an, a fantastic defense, but we've got to get something on the offense side of the ball, or we're not going to be able to compete with teams like Alabama." All right, so let's jump on over to the other side of this one. Let's go on down to Lexington, where uh, Mark Stoops and Kentucky—they've got an issue now at the quarterback spot. And the updated. Depth charts got Terry Wilson and Joey Gatewood listed as co-starters this week for the first time this season. And Terry Wilson, according to Mark Stoops, not even practicing on Monday. He says he got a minor injury, but health is keeping you out of practice. Got to be somewhat significant here for Georgia week. But that certainly seems to indicate that Joey Gatewood, not saying he's going to be the starter, but he's got he's getting all the reps starting out the week. So, I don't know, Shane. What do you think here? Do you do we gotta go to Gatewood? I mean, that this is obviously a big game. This is uh, the one game I believe in the SEC East that Mark Stoops has yet to win. So, I'm not saying he's necessarily getting judged by not being able to beat Georgia. That's that's an incredible task for Kentucky. But at the same time, I mean, the fans are are wanting to win desperately in this series. Is this the right time to be mixing with your starting lineup, uh, particularly at the quarterback position? Absolutely. And I'm going to tell you why, Mike, because this is a, this is a wild year. 2020, it is a, it's just an, it's been a nightmare, but it's been kind of fun too. You know what I'm saying? Every week we're watching just SEC play. I absolutely love that. And the fact of the matter is it it doesn't matter. 
if you lose, I mean, I, nobody likes to lose, but if you lose this year, what you're, you're still going to get into a bowl game. Apparently it doesn't matter how many, right. you know, that's something it, you're going to get in a bowl game. So that you're, that stress is off of you. So I think 2020 should be a tune up season for teams like Kentucky teams, like Missouri teams, like Tennessee teams, like South Carolina, you know, they've, they've got, I know. Calm down, Cujo. All right. I'm getting to the point right here. All right. What I'm saying is let's, let's let the young guys go, cut them loose. Let's play Let's see what we got because 2021, when it does matter that you have six wins or not and, and make a bowl game, I, I think, I think they're missing the boat. You know, it, Kentucky started out strong. They obviously, they thought, we thought they had some. Kentucky thought they had some. You know, they their goal was to was, and I know some people think it's funny, but it's the truth. Kentucky was out to compete for the SEC East Championship. That's that's the mentality they had coming into the season. Now that that has slipped a little bit. You know, there's that. I'm not saying that the ship's completely sailed because I think some weird way that they can still get into this mm-hmm. thing, but. I, Mike, I just think teams like this need to start playing for the future, and your future is not Terry Wilson. Your future is Joey Gatewood, and uh, I just I, I think you're just wasting time. You're spinning your wheels in the mud if you roll him out, unless you and, and Kentucky fans may. There's some of you may want to turn turn that speaker down here for a second, but you know <laughs> Terry could come back next year, and if that's the case then, yeah, roll with him and, and because he's going to be your starting quarterback next year probably. But if if Joey is your future, I say, man, let's roll him out now. Let's get this ball rolling. Yeah, I'm glad you went there. Uh, I want to add to that. But let's kick it over to Mark Stoops first, who talks about this uh, quarterback competition. He also was asked about the freshman, Bo Allen. Is he in the mix? And if uh, there's any kind of panic there in Lexington, he talks a little bit about Georgia and just how – Awesome that defense looks yet again. Hey, Mark, obviously the depth chart says Terry or Joey at quarterback. How will you make that decision this week? And do you have a time frame of when you want to decide you'll start the game? No, we'll see. We'll see how it goes uh, throughout the week. Um, you know, haven't had an opportunity to, to meet with those guys, um, you know, with Sunday being a day off and got our meetings coming up. So we'll see um, where uh, everything is uh, after a couple days. Speaking in general terms, what, what do you want to see from the quarterback position that they haven't done so far this year? Well, again, uh, you know, I want to see our team play better. Um, you, you know, you know, anytime you say something like that, it's going to get uh, zeroed in on any one particular person. Uh, that that's we need to play better as a unit, and uh, we we all understand that. Um, we got to put our players in position that they can do. Uh, what they can do, what are their strengths? We we need to execute that. Uh, that goes across the board. I want our I want our unit to play better. I, w- I want us to play better across the board. I didn't feel like we strained like we normally do. Uh, that that goes for everybody. Uh, I don't feel like we played with the same chip, the same mentality, uh, the same edge that you need to play with each and every week. And uh, no matter what you do, who you play, you have to refuel during the week, and it's a challenge. Uh, but it's not an excuse. It is what it is. We have uh, we have uh, physically and mentally strong players, and uh, we have to make sure they're ready to play. And uh, it, go- it goes across the board. So 
Um, you know, I'm not going to put any one thing on the quarterback because that's going to get blown out of proportion. We need to be play better as a unit. Mark, is um, Bo Allen close to being in the quarterback mix, or is he in the quarterback mix to, to he, actually get in a game? He, he is in the mix. Um, it's difficult, as you can imagine, to get three guys game reps, you know, during the week, getting them game ready. That part of it is tough um, because all the quarterbacks need the reps. Uh, they need the looks. And, um, and so that's where it gets, you know, it, it, there's a fine line there with, you know, running our r receivers into the ground and, um, but also getting the looks for the quarterbacks at, at game speed. So um, it's hard getting three quarterbacks looks, but uh, he's been impressive. I've, I've said that from the beginning. Um, he's a guy that, uh, you know, definitely, uh, you know, has, has, has some great ability and anticipation and can throw the ball. So we'll see where it goes. It's hard to get three guys ready, but, yes, he is in the mix. He is getting reps, and uh, he has been impressive. So we'll see where it goes. I think, you know, today um, there's, there's, you know, nothing major, but uh, I don't think Terry's able to practice today. Um, from what my trainers have told me, just with a minor injury. Um, so, you know, he'll get a lot of reps today, him and Joey. Earlier uh, in the year, I, I don't know if it was you or Eddie who said there wasn't any panic, you know, not time to kind of throw away the game plan and start from scratch. Are you at that point? Oh, we'll never be at that point where we're going to panic. I mean, uh, are we happy with the way we played? I think you understand that we're not. Uh, nobody, nobody's happy with the result of Saturday, um, but but uh, nobody wants to just throw away everything we've done and and, and start over. Improve, absolutely, need to. Uh, whether you win or whether you lose, uh, we're trying to improve and get better. And um, you know, it's it's frustrating when you take a step back. And again, that's easy to finger point, and uh, I understand that. But really. Um, you know, th that, that's, that's on me. Um, we have to have the team uh, prepared to play. And, and uh, I, I, I'm, you know, trying. You, you try different tactics. You, um, you know, we work extremely hard. Uh, but uh, i got to find a way to reach this team. This team is different um, than other teams I've had. And uh, it's a different mentality. And I've got to find uh, the right way to, to, to reach and to, continue to develop leadership and to get that pool from the top to play the way we're used to playing. It's a different year, but it is what it is. Um, I, I expect more, um, you know, from, from myself to, to get out of this team. Mark, based on, on what you've seen with, with Georgia, how much different do they look from, from recent teams? And, you know, what kind of wrinkles or, or threats do they pose now that you have to prepare for? Very similar than the way they've been. I think defensively, just you know, continually getting better and better, just with recruiting and what they do. I mean, they're they're explosive on defense. So they could really create uh, negative plays and and uh, you know create turnovers and and be very disruptive. And offensively, very similar uh, to the way they've been. Um, you know, still very physical with talented running backs. 
Um, they have a hard matchup in the slot uh, with number ten. He's he's a he's a handful, big wide out number one on the outside. You know, they're 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 typical Georgia, uh, physical, uh, and explosive. You know, create pinch sets, create some uh, some tough matchups uh, on what they do. So, um, very talented team and well coached. Well, Shane, this is just how wild it is at the SEC. I mean, my God, Kentucky fans were having a parade for beating Tennessee and. I mean, they mm-hmm. they talked, they were living in my mentions for a damn week, and then here we got the next week. They're saying, "Is is there panic in Lexington?" So, and that's <laughs> not unique to Kentucky. That's just, I mean, that's all across the SEC. But you know, going back to what you had to say about Terry Wilson and Joey Gatewood, I think I, a hundred percent, I agree with everything you're saying there. And I know Joey Gatewood. It's not like he's looked amazing in these games, but. I think there's certainly a difference when you're coming in off the bench or you're getting in in junk time. It's it's different when you're getting the reps the with the first yeah. team and you're going in with the game plan and and yes he's still learning the system I would think and learning his teammates a little bit here because he wasn't there for any kind of spring football due to the we all know what happened there but uh, it's like you said I mean he's the future of your program he was an Under Armour All American he's a guy that's been compared to Cam Newton in the past so yeah yeah. You got a much higher ceiling with him, and he's got a better arm. He's bigger. I don't know. He seems like almost a perfect fit. And if you're obviously looking at the uh, Kentucky roster, you're looking around and saying, you know, we need we need help at tight end and receiver. And who's going to sell that on the recruiting trail? Terry Wilson, who yeah. fans may not even want back for another year, or Joey Gatewood, who, you know, let's say he goes on a little bit of a run here towards the tail end. I think he can sell that a lot more. And, hell, he could still have three years left in Kentucky because this mm-hmm. year doesn't count. He's just a sophomore. So red, I believe he's a redshirt sophomore, but still uh, could have several years left in Kentucky. And I think you you got to at least give him the opportunity. And it may even be ugly because of who you're playing this week in a dominant Georgia defense. But, you got hey, if he looks okay – the next game he's going to look a hell of a lot better because they're not going to have a defense as good as Georgia's. You know what? Exactly. That's something we, we've talked about last week. And, of course, I got called out uh, for Mizzou's quarterback, uh, old, old Balzac, <laughs> or, or how you say his Basilek. name? Hey, Basilek. I'll never say that right. I'm going to butcher that till he retires. But he, he wasn't. he's not a true freshman. He is a redshirt freshman. But – you know, you saw two freshmen this week get a get a victory, and and not against. There's no such thing as cupcake teams. They did it against tough opponents. Uh, one of them was an underdog. So, yeah, I, I just why not? Why why not? Why if if you really think Terry's the future, then you stick with him. I get that. Uh, Coach Stoops knows that. He if he's really if he's seeing something, he's like, hey, you know, it's my fault. We didn't get this or this or this, and they're pulling film study, but. If it's not, then and, – and I don't think it is because everything that I've heard, you know, he's been pretty upset and pretty short about the quarterback situation. And um, I, I say, let's try something different. You know, what we've been doing wasn't working. Let's let's see what Joey's got. And if he doesn't, then, like you said, they, he ain't the only quarterback in, on this roster. So let's let's stretch those legs, Kentucky. Let's, let's, let's change things up because nobody wants to see – what nine yards passing a game you know what i'm saying <laughs> they want to see they want to see a balanced attack so this defense isn't on the damn field the whole game all right shane final matchup to preview let's uh, jump on down to tuscaloosa roll 
Tide. Where the only undefeated team in the SEC, Alabama, set to play Mississippi State at home this weekend. But here's another one where Mississippi State's had two weeks to prepare. We'll get to Coach Leach here in a moment. But, uh, you know, obviously Alabama's rolling in here. And they don't need style points like some of these other teams. They just need to keep winning. Not to say that they can't win impressively over, you know, arguably the most struggling team here in the SEC in Mississippi State. But uh, I don't know, Shane, is this a game where I don't want to call it necessarily a trap game or anything, but we have seen in the past where certainly not unique to Alabama, but all these teams, when you get to the tail end of the of your, you know, run and, and here they got a bye week next week, you know, any chance they're overlooking Mississippi State or maybe they're a little worn out and, Mississippi State's had extra time to prepare this. And, and, you know, one overlooked aspect, I think, of Alabama's dominant team is their pass defense. It's been it's been hit pretty hard by Tennessee and Georgia and Ole Miss. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Is there any, any hope here that uh, Mississippi State could make this an interesting game? <laughs> no. Not I'm trying at to all. set you I up. Mean, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I want to say yes, because uh, I, I think that you, you kind of hit a good uh, – Alabama has been suspect at times in the secondary. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we we saw – you know, to talk about a true freshman, we saw a, a true freshman make a couple 40-yard bomb, you know, receptions against them. If if Coach Leach is turning on that film, I'm sure he's going to – He's going to find some things to dial up to, to you know, to, to keep them on their heels. But, man, Bama's just – they're loaded. And uh, one thing they have the potential to do is they have the potential to go fast, but they also have that ability to slow things down. Kudos to to that offensive side of the ball. It's just impressive. Now, how, how do they look post-Waddle? Uh, you know, I, I think things are going to be a little bit different than we've seen in the past, but – I think they just lean a little bit more on that running game. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Coach, who talks uh, about Mac Jones, his continued outstanding play, Slade Bolden stepping up for Jalen Waddle, and then on matching up against Mississippi State's air raid offense. Just wondering, how have you seen Mac's ability to handle uh, adversity? Uh, how's that evolved over the years with him? Uh, Mac's shown a lot of maturity in the way that he's played uh, so far. You know, this year, I think the more experience he gets, the more confidence that he has. Um, you know, we, we've got things that uh, we, le- we left some plays on the field, I think, on third down in the game uh, that we certainly need to improve on and work on because that's been something that's been, you know, a really positive thing for us. But uh, Mac's been able to stay steady. You know, he stays in a good place. Uh, keeps his eyes in the right place, keeps making good choices and decisions. And uh, I think that's when he's most productive. And he's done that on a very consistent basis, you know, all year long. Yeah, Nick, what are the expectations for Slade? No, no one can, you know, replace the guy that might be the best receiver in the country. Well, I, I don't think, <clears throat> I think you said it. You know, you can't replace a guy like Jalen Waddle in terms of what his ability is and, uh, it's no different than, you know, losing Allen Iverson if you're, you know, guy scores 30, 40 points a game. Uh, he's, you know, that kind of impact player. Um, but we can do the things that he can do well, uh, and he doesn't need to be anybody but himself. Uh, and we don't, we don't put expectations on him. We just want him to be the best player that he can be relative to what he can do. And 
uh, how can we get some of our other players at the receiver position to step up uh, and also do some things that they're capable of doing uh, that would help us be able to continue to uh, have success uh, with the receivers that we have uh, and the passing game that we've had so far and the balance that we try to create with that passing game on offense. Yeah, Coach, um, it's been pointed out the difference between how effective defenses are at stopping Mississippi State in their air raid versus when they play zone as opposed to man. Why do you think that is such a strong uh, or such a stark difference um, when playing zone it seems to be more effective there? Well, I think their concepts on offense are, you know, this is uh, one of the, I don't know if what, what the best word to describe it. I don't, I don't know. It's not really exotic, I, but it's really, really uh, a good system in terms of how they spread you on the field, the pattern concepts that they use. Um, and uh, I think that, you know, they do a really good job of coaching the quarterback when it's man-to-man -man and when it's zone uh, and how to take advantage of that. Uh, I think that, um, you know, people who have played really good zone against them break on the ball. I mean, you've got to tackle well in space when you do that. You've got to break on the ball. Um, and you've got to force them to sort of take some of the shorter throws and not make explosive plays on you, which they, they've shown the capability of doing when, you know, you're playing kind of man-to-man -man kind of concept. So um, um, I, I can't tell you exactly why uh, that is. But when you're that spread out on the field and um, they've got five guys going out for a pass all the time and you're horizontally stretched like you are, um, you know, when you play man-to-man, -man, somebody gets beat, you got an issue. And when you play zone, you got a better chance to play inside out and break on the ball. All right, Chance, so we've only had five weeks of SEC play. Mac Jones has been named SEC Offensive Player of the Week three times. <laughs> that gives you an indication of how well he's playing. Uh, but it was kind of interesting listening to a coach talk about Mississippi State's offense and matching up against it because they've been struggling so much through the air. I think they're going to play – you know, we'll talk Mississippi State here in just a moment, but it certainly sounds to me like Will Rogers is going to be the guy this week, even though he's going up against such a difficult opponent here in Alabama. But mm -hmm. this kind of felt like Coach was uh, trying his best to talk up Mississippi State's attack and what they could do to his defense, didn't it? Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you always root for your kids, you know? <laughs> Yeah, honey, you'll be a president one day. <laughs> Stop licking that window. <laughs> all right, so let's flip it all down to the other side, Mississippi State. Where, man, we've had uh, one problem after the other. We talked about Fred Peters last week out for the season. Kylan Hill still MIA. And uh, what I'm hearing sounds like he's opted out. And he has not said that, so it's not official. Mike Leach has not said that. We'll, we'll jump to Leach here in a moment. But this is certainly a game where if Mississippi State's got any chance, you need, you need your star players, you need them to be fully bought in. They must be in a weird place here because you get, you'd want your best player on the field, but maybe you don't want him if he's not fully bought in with what you're trying to do. So... You know, it's a double-edged sword there. 
But the fact that no one has come out and said opt out makes me think that uh, maybe Kylan Hill is is giving us one last thought to come back and play for Mississippi State because, you know, he came back for a reason. He came back to improve his stock. He yeah. did tremendous in that LSU game. He's kind of been missing in action ever since then. But I remember talking about that LSU game, and we were like, my God, he's he's just his sock is storing now. I mean, this is the issue yeah. was catching the ball and, and run after the catch. And he's got that down. And now we're having issues again here. So I really hope that uh, they come to a, to an agreement on something and he's able to play because man, it's just travesty is not the right word, but it's just unfortunate. If he come back to, you know, with a goal in mind, he's on his way to doing it. And then for whatever reason, it's stuck in his tracks and, and we're not able to, push forward with this because uh, Mississippi State's better with Kylan Hill. Kylan Hill's better. He's going to improve his stock on the field. He's not going to improve his stock opting out. I don't know the, the backstory there, so I'm not trying to call him out if there's a health issue or anything like that, but I don't know. I'm just, I guess I'm just hoping for the best here, and, and it just doesn't sound too good at, right now at Mississippi State, does it? Yeah, it doesn't, and Mike, something we've talked about, it just feels like a lot of these teams are on the verge of opt-outs, you know, and and I don't like you said we don't really know Hill's situation, so I I can't really I don't really want to speculate. Um, you know I I want nothing but the best for him. I I don't want him to not play and then it cost him millions of dollars and and maybe get drafted on the next day. You know which could happen. Uh, uh, and then there's the, also the possibility he comes out and he just freaking kills it and. Next thing you know, they realize just what a weapon he is because if he if he could have just mirrored what he did week one, people would be talking about him. People would have him higher on the draft board. So um, surely, surely, you know, Coach Leach is, is, has explained that to him. So I don't know. Uh, like I said, I don't want to speculate because I really don't know the situation. But um, I just hope that either A, he comes back, or B, it's a clean break. If if he's opt out, fine. Let's do that. Let's let's focus on the future of this university and, and the players that are still here. But uh, till then, it's just it's kind of like that elephant in the corner, man. You know, <laughs> just, everybody's just they know it's there, but just nobody wants to talk about it. So man, we're, we're eventually it's going to come to a head. Well, let's kick it over to Coach Leach real quick, who just briefly talks about Kylan Hill, talks about the uh, quarterback depth chart here for Alabama on trying to replace Fred Peters. And then, just like everybody else, he's incredibly impressed here by Alabama. Update on what Kylan's status is, and uh, do you kind of expect him to be able to play this weekend? Uh, no no update. No update. He's uh, yeah, still unavailable. I know that uh, you, you said that it, it would be kind of a battle, I guess, at quarterback leading into the Alabama game. Uh, just – to this point, what's kind of your thoughts on, on where KJ and Will stand headed into this week? Uh, I think they're neck and neck, and we'll continue to uh, we'll continue to split the reps this week uh, for the first uh, couple practices. Hey, Coach, how patient are you with with your quarterbacks and and letting them kind of learn your system? Uh, especially now, I mean, you're you're you know you're a few games in, and you've had to change and. Now, have you had a chance to look at you know their different talents and and how they work in your offense? 
Uh, I'm not sure what the question is, but long story short, I think the more exposure they have, the better. Um, <clears throat> both guys have uh, performed well uh, in practice, and um, and uh, you know, I I I don't really like uh, splitting reps with quarterbacks. I like to settle on one. Uh, I would prefer that approach, but uh, we've been awfully up and down, and so. Uh, you know, we need to figure out who gives us the best spark. So, uh, and it's, so it's, it's definitely competitive at the position this week. Yeah, Mike, I know we've talked a lot about the uh, splitting reps thing. And I know you said earlier that you don't like it is at quarterback, obviously. Is there a timetable throughout the rest of this season where you would hope that, I mean, obviously now being, you know, the fifth game of the year, you'd hope you'd have a solidified starter, but, is this something that you could see going throughout the, the next five games as it kind of has the last three? I hope not, but it could, you know, it could, you, yeah, you try to get that thing settled in and, uh, you know, over the years, at least from my experience, we've been able to do it most of the time. Uh, but right now we've got two guys that are, uh, fairly comparable and, uh, uh, and I think that they've got to they've got to battle it out, and we'll see. All right. Well, it's great talking to you guys. We'll go back to Joel. Uh, I know that uh, Fred Peters had mentioned, you know, that that he was going to be out for a while. What's kind of the plan there at safety with a guy that had been getting a ton of reps back there? What, what's kind of the the plan to to fill in for Fred? Uh, kind of a committee right now. We've got a number of guys doing some some pretty good stuff, but like I say, we're trying to refine the position and, uh, and we got a committee doing pretty good. So I don't know if, uh, Zach's going to maintain uh, the committee or if he's got a specific one, I suspect it'll be a couple guys. Mike, based on, um, the tape from Alabama, uh, <laughs> obviously, you know, even coaching for a while, where does this like Crimson Tide team kind of rank compared to every other team you've coached in terms of like quality. Do you think this is one of the best teams that you've ever played against? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, they're they're fast, and uh, occasionally I've played against some really fast teams that weren't as big as others. But the, you know, these guys are they're big, they're fast, and you know, the thing is, is most of the their players uh, <clears throat> we're already familiar with in the recruiting process. You know, I mean. Uh, they're the guys that uh, hovered around the top of the lists, you know, so. Has anybody checked the closets? You know, Leach, sometimes he locks them guys in there and forget their. <laughs> Can we say that? Am I allowed to say oh, that? Yeah, I think that's, that's a good one. <laughs> All right, Shane. So, you know, it's kind of sad watching these pressers. Uh, so just a couple of weeks ago, it was having so much fun and he's, he's drinking the Coke bottles here and, uh, if you watch this yeah. whole presser, I mean, he takes the first couple, I think it was the first questions, first two, and then there's a break about 15 seconds, and he's like, hey, we done here? He's, he's ready to leave. He doesn't <laughs> want to be out here talking. Maybe he just wants to do football, and, and I could certainly understand that, but I don't know, man. It just seems like so long ago, that week one yeah. victory, and, and it just seems like we're so far from turning this thing around, but... Maybe you know this. Maybe this is what we were thinking we were gonna get, but maybe we got spoiled a little bit by just the debut of the Mike Lee chair. You know what? That's exactly that's it. I mean, you talk about an all-time high, man. You know that's 
that that was it beating the the reigning national champ i mean <laughs> come on it doesn't get better than that so uh and it's hard on the players because you know when you when you come off a high like that and then you hit i mean they're hitting rock bottom right now we got their star player not even out there on the field and lord knows there's probably a lot of pointing fingers and you know, I just I can't imagine what that locker room's like right now, and uh, what are these guys playing for? So, that that comes back to coaching staff. That comes back to mo- motivation, and and uh, I've never really thought Coach Leach as a as a huge motivator. You know what I'm saying? Right. But he he is a talent producer, and if these guys can buy into that system and and what he's trying to accomplish. You know they'll be very successful, not just down there, but there'll be plenty of them go to the next level. So it just it it's going to take a buy-in uh, from the players, and I just don't know. I don't know if we're there right now, Mike. Maybe this this bye week was what they needed. Yeah, let's hope so because it's looking like we we assume these first year coaches would be a little in over their head for the first year, not getting to play you know a couple cupcake games, and. Mm-hmm. Drinkowitz, Kiffin, Sam Pittman, they're they're doing really well. And it, it just seems clear that Mike Leach and them could have really used those games to to get the system in before getting SEC play. So uh, let's not certainly not write him off or the direction of his program, but just an unusual year, and it, it seems like it's um, taking its toll more than any other at, in Starkville at the moment. It's kind of crazy that out of all the new coaches, how many did we had in the SEC? Four. Four. Right, two two of them have beat LSU already, <laughs> you know. So just hang in there, man. I'm just they got two for two. So I'm just throwing that out there, a little nugget for you gamblers out there. I was thinking about. <laughs> well, hey, buddy, that's all uh, I got for this episode. You got anything before we hop off here? No, uh, the reviews have been flying in. I appreciate that. Uh, uh, you know. Uh, the calamity. Did you? Did you? Li- I listened to the song today. Uh, give them a little shout out. Yeah, Crimson Calamity, Nashville band. Give they give us all the music for free, and uh, now that they got new music, hell, we might uh, we might be getting some new music to, to play on here too. So <laughs> yeah. uh, give those That's give those right. ladies a follow and and check out their song. And uh, they got a video yeah, coming out this that. week, so I think they would appreciate all the support they can get. Absolutely, appreciate their support and appreciate all you guys hanging in there with us and uh we got some great football coming up this weekend tomorrow what do we got planned tomorrow mike just couple, uh, what other teams are going uh, we got florida i saw dan talking you just didn't have anybody else yeah so they're playing missouri so we're waiting for coach drink he's gonna speak tomorrow uh okay. we've got vanderbilt and Ole miss to break down waiting for coach mason uh we've got mm-hmm. uh the, the big auburn lsu game that'll be another good one we're waiting for gus to speak so we got plenty Plenty to talk about, plenty to look forward to on the next show. Who knows who's going to get fined between now and then and <laughs> what kind of statements are going to be put out and all this. So, yeah, it's going to be a good one. 25 grand. Golly. Think how many shirts we can buy the fans for 25 grand. <laughs> Come on, Lane. What you doing? But anyway, Mike, I I, I look, I appreciate all the work you put in to uh, get this pod ready and uh, – I look forward to seeing you guys tomorrow. All right, Shane. Well, thanks for joining me as always. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. Can't lose this week.
there, SEC fans. If you've been enjoying the music of this podcast, then head on over to www.crimsoncalamitymusic.com to follow us on social media and to hear our new song, Ghost. Out now on all streaming services and wherever digital music is sold. Thanks so much for listening. And now back to you, Mike and Shane. Hey, one thing I forgot to mention on yesterday's show, I was... Because I had it all, I just didn't have it written down. Sometimes if I don't write it down, I forget things. Yeah. You know, Tennessee, I don't want to rehash the game too much, but, you know, their defensive backs have just, it seems like they have no ability to make a play on the ball. And it it seems like they've missed about six or seven interceptions so far this year. Yeah. I put that out on Twitter, and one of the first responses were, well, no wonder Jerry Garantano's not throwing picks in practice. (laughs) (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.